Hello and welcome back to the number two vlog of Jessie. Yay, that's me. <laughs> if you found my audio blog, it's probably because you're following one of my small businesses um, that I have on Instagram. I have so many small businesses and so little time to keep up with them all. I've actually just enjoyed four Instagram free for the most part of it days, which has been a, just a wonderful blessing for me. I don't think I've had four consecutive days of not being on Instagram since Instagram started, or at least a couple of months into it when I figured out how to use it. When I first had Instagram, I followed like three people and one of them was my husband. And it was like that for maybe like a couple of months. And then eventually Instagram started to take off. So to be able to just shut my brain off, I had to like delete the apps. I had to delete Facebook. I had to like delete everything because my natural thing was, you know, you're sitting down on the couch or you're sitting down wherever and straight away pick your phone up to look at the thing. And like, that's so weird how your body is just like trained to do that. And I spoke to Jazz, one of my friends, and she says that she often moves her Instagram from her home page on her phone to a different page or hides it under a different thing so that she's not training her thumb just to go snap for Instagram. I like that's all good and well to say so easily, like, I'll just take four days off Instagram. Um, for a lot of people, that's a reality that they don't feel the need to check in on Instagram as much. But I have a couple of businesses which I run and I run them only through Instagram and like maybe on Facebook if I decide to share photos. So for me, having those days off was like having school holidays because I didn't feel like the need to be on, on, on. However, there were parts on the weekend where I was like, oh, I definitely would have post about this or like, oh, husband, we're having a beer, quick, let's do a chist. You know, like that's just how my brain works, which is kind of sad, but also kind of good, I guess. I've just trained myself to be wanting to add fun bits of my life to Instagram. And I think that's the sellability factor. I mean, I get so bored when I'm watching people's Insta stories and they're just talking about their products or they're just talking about what they sell. And I'm like, bore fest. I know what you sell. That's why I continue to look at your stuff. That's why I continue to like all your pictures of your stylized photos. But let's get some personality and some action in the stories. It's only there for 24 hours. Why not have some fun with it? Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so I started the good thing, which is my actual real job. This is like my nine to five or whatever, however long I can keep my kids in kindy for job. Um, this is the one that pays the medium to low bucks to sometimes no bucks, unfortunately. Um, it is my one true source of income. However, I do work on Wednesdays now, which is just a kind of relatively new thing, but I needed to have a job where I could actually rely on getting a bit of cash. Because some weeks I'd be like, well, I didn't get paid today because this client said if she could pay me next week when she gets paid and this client, their payment just hasn't gone through yet. So financially, that is so tough for us because we have to budget our weeks just as everyone else does. And we've got kindy fees and we've got a whole heap of all this bullshit extra fees that we're getting charged now for different education programs and doctor's appointments and all that kind of crap that everybody has. 
But when you work freelance or as an artist and you don't have a permanent payday, that's like really stress inducing. So just to have that one day a week now where I know every week, boom, on Thursday, yes, payday, let's get some shit paid. Yeah, boy. Um, but the thing I love about the good thing and I love about it as my main Instagram is that I can connect with businesses and just customers and clients from all over the world. Um, at one point, I was sending more cross stitches to America than I was uh, selling them in Australia. However, that's sort of changed back again now. I think it just ebbs and flows with depending on what I've been doing and who's been reposting. So, um, but I mean, I'm happy to send stuff everywhere. I think the most random place I sent stuff was like, I mean, it wasn't even random, I guess, but Germany. Um, I've sent stuff to Canada, lots of stuff to Ireland and the UK. Um, no Asian countries yet. Mm. Anyway, so the whole thing about the good thing. So to start cross stitch, people think it's quite a random art to get into. And yeah, I guess it is. Um, like most kids with who have creative mums, like myself, my mum is very creative and enthusiastic older cousins who would babysit us in the holidays. I learned to long stitch in the Christmas holidays and long stitch is like cross stitch is easy cousin. Everything's bigger. Everything's easier. You use wool instead of thread and the cloth is already got the pattern painted on it rather than when you do cross stitch you get like instructions like a map um you can pick a long stitch up at cross stitch like uh, long stitch kit at spotlight for like 30 bucks or something um and it's an afternoon well spent creating arting hanging on your wall so when I was looking for an activity for a child who I minded as a nanny, I thought long stitch would be a great little project that she could continue to work on over the summer. Although when I went to look, I actually couldn't find any long stitches at the store I was in. So I grabbed her a cross stitch instead, thinking same, same, but different. Yeah, it's kind of like a lot different. <laughs> so I told her I would thread the needle and then I would get it started for her. And because she was only six, so like little fingers and complicated stitching, it was a nightmare. And I just ended up stitching the whole thing for her, the poor thing. Um, and then I stitched another project and another project, another project. And my husband bought me a book with heaps of little motifs in it. And I stitched him a little leprechaun that he wore on his shirt for St. Patrick's Day one year. And then I was sold. I was just like, if he's going to wear it, let's start stitching some shit. Um, I found free patterns online and that was it. And Instagram was still newish back then. And hashtag cross stitch didn't even have a thousand photos in it when I was first started my business. And it now has 3 million. So like, holy bejeebus. My first family portrait was a gift for my sister-in-law for her birthday. And the first one I sold was to Mary Carl. Shout out to my mum's bestie who was bought, I'm going to say over 40, but I'll probably go on the record and say it's closer to 50. <laughs> Mary is nuts for my cross stitch. And I'm not even joking that I've just finished another one for her. Um, so shout out to legends like Mary who keep small businesses like me in business and also to have someone buy 40 of your things like it's 
it's such a compliment to me every time she orders them. She orders them a lot for weddings um, or engagements. And she has a lot of kids, so she's often going to her kids, friends, weddings and engagements and gifting my stuff. And I'm just like, Mary, you're just a dead set ledge. So my first stitches were sold for $35, regardless of how many people were in them, how many pets and whatever wording you wanted. And they were all framed with great quality Maya frames that probably cost about $14 each. So, I mean, you want to start doing the math on that? <laughs> Even back then, I knew these pieces would be something that people would want to treasure and I wanted sure to make that they could last. So that's why I was happy to spend the $14 on the frame. Um, eventually, my mate Ellie, the shopkeeper, took on my business as another place that you could order my hoops from. And being an actual real life businesswoman, she convinced me to up the price. I had hand delivered her a stitch and she whipped around her shop asking customers what they would pay for bespoke cross stitchery. And they all agreed that well over 100 was more appropriate. So I ditched the frames, um, even though I was enjoying those my one points. <laughs> it was eating into a huge chunk of my profit, like half of my profit. Um, and I came up with the original design that I have of the pom-pom frames with the pom-poms around the hoop. Now, I'm not saying I was the first person in the world to do it, but I think I kind of was. I'd had some pom-pom trim left over from another project sitting in my cross-stitch bag and I had a little cross-stitch bag that I would cart to and from work and when I opened it up one day it was just sitting ever so neatly on top of the hoop and that's when I was like oh my god that looks awesome it's heaps cheaper I mean I still have to pay for the pom-poms it's like four dollars a meter so it's not you know I mean economically it's fantastic though um and so, yeah, then the sort of most recognisable thing, the most recognisable way that you know a good thing cross-stitch is from the pom-pom hoop, I would think. Um, so I get really shitty when I see other people doing it because I'm like, get your own thing. We can't all have pom-poms on the hoop. Some people need to step out and start using some of their own creativity. Whoa, that was major shade. Um, so as far as I know, yeah, I was the first one to do it. My business is called The Good Thing because of a potholder that I made in year nine that still lives at my parents' house. And it's affectionately called The Good Thing. It's not that good. <laughs> I made it in industrial arts, a subject I only took at our school because we were the first all-girls school in the state slash country slash world even to be offered this as a lesson program because our school had just had this huge makeover and a purpose-built space for the industrial arts. I have no interest in industrial arts, never have, never will. And I remember it being such a horrible time in my life <laughs> every week when I would have the double period for industrial arts and I just hated it. And I mucked around so much in that class. I literally remember just spending a lot of my time sitting out in the teacher's car park, which was next to the industrial arts um, sheds because I would be in trouble and I just have to sit in between the cars and I'd be like yes man at least I'm relaxing this is you know I'm down for this hate being in that room and I think because industrial arts is very like math orientated and I hate math so I don't know why I would ever think to do that other than the fact that for me I was creating history and being really smug 
in being able to say that our school was the first all-girls school to do it and I was in the first class to do it. So, yes, I'm a legend for, like, feminism, but I'm also really shit at industrial arts. <laughs> so it's no surprise that my skills were somewhat lacking. Um, or were they? Because, to be honest, I'd love a show of hands from the girls in my class who still have their turtle pot holder because it's made out of some kind of cheap chipwood with two holes drilled through for eyes, although I kind of slipped a bit on one of them, so it almost looks like it has three eyes, or at least one good eye and one double eye. But it is much loved and a valuable bit of property at my parents' house. Every couple of years, my dad gets the whiteboard marker to rewrite the good thing in capital letters across the turtle's back. So loved, it is often shown to people as proof of my amazingness when they meet the family. And my husband was shown it on his very first visit. And countless friends have had their photo taken with it as proof of friendship or proof of visit to my parents' house. So what else could I call my business but the good thing? From one great hit to another. Both crafted by yours truly. And now even further cementing that one good thing I made back in 1997 and it's awesome last ability, I've decided to call this audio blog another good thing because technically it is just another good thing. I don't know if you can tell but I've changed positions <laughs> because I had three flies flying around. There's a bloody another one. Flies flying around the room and they're just buzzing around and I had to get up and let them out. <laughs> I recently heard on Triple J about a man who recorded his podcasts under his doona on his bed just to like for the best, you know, no sounds and that kind of thing. But he was in New York and I'm in Queensland and it's already too hot to be sitting under my doona doing it. Can you imagine? Although it'd be kind of like going to hot yoga. I could like lose a little weight under there. Anyway, we'll come back to that. So my second and first freebie account on Instagram, meaning I don't get paid, but I do a shitload of work, <laughs> is What's Good Briz, um, formerly called What's Good Here. And I started this in 2014 with my high school bestie, Kat, because we both had a flair for shopping, supporting small businesses, and then bragging about it on Instagram. So we created a space where we could do that online. And it has been a life-changing experience. Through the good thing, I was working for myself, advertising myself, and it was all very me, me, me. With What's Good Briz, we're all about you, 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 you. <laughs> and showcasing the clever things that other makers are making. As a, small as a small business person myself, I can completely understand how isolating working from home alone can be, or even more, from home with a baby trying to accomplish everything I want to as a mother but still provide for my family from the comfort of my home in my tracky dacks and slippers. But being able to relate to small businesses across Brisbane became a huge asset so we decided why not get a bunch of the ladies um, in brackets because at first they were all ladies. End bracket. <laughs> um, to arrange a get together and to have a few drinks and just to chat. After my first ever finders keepers market, I was desperate to interact with some of the people who I follow on Insta. I wanted to know their stories and I wanted to know 
if they were experiencing some of the same issues that I had with customers and orders and Etsy and you name it. And of course, they absolutely were. Although after working all weekend at the Finders Keepers and non-stop small talk and chit chat and standing up in this tiny little booth. And actually, I didn't know it at the time, but I had tonsillitis. <laughs> and at the end of the day, about 15 minutes before closing time, and my husband was like, get the drill and let's get out of here. And I was like, yeah, sure. Oh, my throat's a bit sore, eh? So we created a catch up for small businesses around Brisbane. And honestly, that night changed my life. I have made so many real and genuine friendships with my colleagues around Brisbane. And Kat and I have had so much joy in following everyone's businesses, most from the start, some from the middle, but watching these businesses thrive and survive in the cutthroat world of like algorithms and whatever else Instagram wants to chuck at us. Like there's just no other place like Instagram where businesses can be at the mercy of whatever changes Instagram makes. And that actually blows my mind to think that, People have these just extraordinary businesses that are relying on a medium that we actually can't control and we're at the mercy of whatever Instagram.org or whatever want to change. It's crazy. But we make it work because we're hustlers. We're hustlers, baby. (laughs) My favourite part of What's Good Briz has become the music videos. And if you'd had told me back in 1999 that when I'd be like 36 or 37, I actually can't remember how old I am. I normally ask my husband, but he's not here. So let's just go with 36 because younger. (laughs) If you told me when I was 36, I'd be still making music videos with my bestie just for kicks, then I probably would have been like, "Ah, yeah, I know. Because I was a sassy little teenage bitch and probably thinking, get away from me, you 50-year-old psycho. But inside, I would have been like, oh my God, amazing, to never grow up. (laughs) And Kat and I are always looking for brands that will let us dance around in our underwear showcasing their products, or let us come and run amok in their really classy stores and affluent areas in Brisbane. So if you'd like to see us represent, then get in touch via at whatsgood.briz. You guys, I did it. I just got the final fly out. (laughs) Yes, celebrate the little wins. So the next side hustle of mine that you should be following is Dangerous Females. I have so much to say about Dangerous Females and what it has meant to me to be able to be a part of creating this amazing community. But Dangerous Females started two years ago, but I feel like my role in taking on charities, it started about 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, I was waiting in a taxi line with my friends and we were all shocked and scared by the two people standing behind us. Now, I don't judge. I really try not to judge, I should say, because I'm only human and we all judge people. Um, And for lack of a better word, I would call the people in the line behind us junkies, you know, like the dilated pupils with the scratchy faces and just they looked rough, they looked ill, they looked skinny. The reason I say I don't judge is because I don't know what people have gone through to bring them to where they are. I feel like I lived a relatively privileged life. I had a very safe upbringing where I could 
be who I was. My parents, we went loaded, loaded, but I went to a great school. My parents sacrificed a lot for that to happen. Um, and the stars really have aligned for me. So that's not to say that these two people who, for lack of a better word, junkies, also didn't have the same upbringing as I did. But I just feel like that choices that we made were different. And I don't judge them because I can't judge someone else's story when I'm not in it. And I don't know what brought it. And I think that saying a word like junkies, it just diminishes their entire story and just labels them into this you know, junkie, lazy, sleeps on the street, fuels their drug habit. And I can't say that because I don't know what their situation is. So I just really want you to understand that when I say junkies, I'm not saying it to be derogatory. I'm saying it because I can't think of another way to describe the two people behind me because I know when I say junkies, I know that you know what I'm talking about. So just put that little disclaimer out there because I'm going to feel like a real asshole if I just keep saying junkies and you guys are like, what the heck? That's kind of the opposite of what my everyone can do everything and everyone should help everybody else and all that kind of empowerment mentality is. Okay. So let's just put that out there. Anyway, what I was saying, standing in the taxi line, my husband, who'd been doing a mad cheeseburger rush, had joined us in the queue and he copped an earful from the guy. So me and my friends were extremely worried about that, but more so the lady who he was standing with. This man's rage over my husband's sudden appearance into the line, even though there were four of us and we were all getting into the same cab, was something I've never seen before. And we were terrified. Um, we, the four of us got into our cab and immediately thought, oh my God, what have we done? We've left this woman with this man who's like at a heightened level of anger. Um, and we were upset and we were like, you know, I would have loved to have brought her in the car with us, but we cannot bring someone in the car with us. We don't know who she is. We don't know what her background story is. And what if she came home with us and then she rang him to come and collect her? Like the, it just would have opened such a can of worms. And I knew the safest thing for us to do was to get in the cab and leave. But I often think, oh, why didn't we, I don't know, reach out to someone like the police or a security guard or someone who could have helped this lady and I often wonder what happened that night and I know it was not my husband's fault and I know it's not our fault and I know that him pushing in it was just the catalyst of the evening for them I would say but I often think about it a lot um and especially soon after so my friend Lexi was distraught and she was crying and she's like why couldn't we bring her with us and you know we had to explain like this is you cannot just take people home with you um it's not safe for us it's not safe for her you just don't do it so it just this thought was running through my mind weeks later at work and then I said to Lexi why don't we organize a night we can gather all of our friends together we'll drink some champagne we'll charge them entry fee and the money that we make off the entry fee we will donate to services around Brisbane I think we went with the zigzag um I'm not sure what the rest of it's called zigzags women's center something like that um and then 
that way we could give the money to people who knew what to do with the money and what to do in those situations or to help women who are ready to say, yes, I need some help. So we did that and then we did it again and then we did it again and we actually did it for eight years. Um, not always champagne nights. We had bowling nights. We had a high tea party. We changed up charities every year. We changed up people who came in and out of the group. Um, Ellie, you know, one of my besties, she was in the group for years with me. And then we just had other people sliding in and out, depending on who could commit to three or four months of like hard charity work for free. Um, and our events just became larger and larger. And eventually we ended doing a couple of trivia nights in a row. And we found that was the most successful. It was also the most funnest for us too, because we got to write the quiz and, um, organize prizes. So that was sort of how it, and we were called Charities Angels. Um, and that was how Charities Angels had finished. And then we kind of slid into Dangerous Females. So Dangerous Females was born in the Good Thing Insta Stories when I did a shout out looking for someone to help me do something. I didn't know what we were going to do. I knew I had to do something, um, which is our motto is don't do nothing. Or no, I think it's do something, don't do nothing. <laughs> Catch your motto. Um, so this all happened because of Eurice Dixon's murder and I just thought, oh my God, like not another woman. I cannot sit by and let this happen. And like, I would say the, an individual like me, I'm powerless. There's not a lot I can do. I can't like, I mean, well, I am, I'm powerless as an individual, but as a team, and I've come together with two amazing other women, we've been able to really make something so successful. Um, we didn't start off as just the three of us. I initially had asked Jen from Fussy Gus to be on the team um, because it was from a post that I'd seen that she had done on her Instagram. So she did a post of her son, Gus, wearing a pink shirt. And I think it said like, boys can wear pink too or something. And it just referenced that she was raising her son by giving him the flexibility to be himself and just to wear whatever he wanted. And that was how she had pledged to make a change in her community. And something about it struck me so hard to see such a different perspective from the mother of a son who was scared about her role as a parent and what the future of that meant for her son. And yeah, I had just had a son myself. So I was just like, this is a whole nother can of issues because when I'm a mother of a daughter, I'm worried about, is she going to end up with some boyfriend who's going to take advantage of her? And now I'm also coming from the role of a mother and thinking, is my son going to be on his best behavior and respecting women and all that sort of thing? And not to say that those roles aren't reversed, like, you know, but that's just part of the parenting melting pot. And I just thought it was refreshing to see that from Jen. So I messaged Jen and said, you're a small business. I'm a small business. Do you reckon if we got six or seven other small businesses on board, let's get everyone to create a brand new unique item and we'll do an auction. And she was like, I'm totally down for it. So I was like, okay, that's given me the green light. That's really all I needed. I needed one person to tell me that they were in. And then I was like a bull not in the headlights because bulls don't see headlights. What do bulls see? Red flags? Yes. Like a bull with a red flag. Um, I had kind of just mentioned it to 
I think I even went to someone's birthday. It might have been one of my mate's little son's birthdays. And I said, I've kind of got this idea. I don't know how we're going to make it work. And then Kat straight away, she's a social worker. And she was like, you need to find this kind of charity with this kind of thing. But be careful of this because certain organizations get money from this. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is heavy. No offense, but it's now your job. <laughs> we also were working with another lady called Kimmy B. And she was the one who came up with the name Dangerous Female. She worked in the media. So reading a lot of the articles about Eurese and about other women, and it just totally put the blame on the victim and also saying things like, oh, it's dangerous to go out at night. It's dangerous to walk home from work. And she was like, we need to take back the ownership of that word. So she came up with dangerous females, which was good (laughs) good, because I was actually pushing for, wait, (laughs) radical Sheila, which I still think sounds really cute. But I mean, I just, dangerous females is so much more empowering than radical Sheila, don't you think? However, I would be so down for a radical Sheila shirt (laughs) because I just think it sounds so dumb. (laughs) But it's not dumb, it's amazing and empowering, but still, I mean, come on, do you know what I mean? Like big bogans. <laughs> um, so luckily then Jazz offered, I'm sure she must have offered to do the books because there's no way I would ever presume to ask someone to take on the world's most thankless role and the world's like arguably largest role because the amount of red tape and fine print and all that sort of stuff that Jazz has had to look into, like starting a charity, it's hard. And we're not even a charity. We're just an organization because starting a charity is too hard. So for Jazz is very, she's a chartered accountant by trade. She's one of the best in her field. She's very by the book and she's made sure that we have ticked all the dots that we needed to tick and that none of us are, you know, we're not doing anything that we shouldn't be doing. You hear about charities all the time where it's like some for me, some for them, some for me, some for them. We are so not like that. It's like the opposite of how much money we spend every year on dangerous females. This year alone, I would have spent like $500, on debt, like even more than that because we went down to Melbourne this year. So we all paid for our own flights to Melbourne, not to mention the countless days that we have put into working this. It would actually be well into the thousands, I would say, when I if I was to factor in my time. And now look, to say something like that is one thing, um, but this is something that I – it's been a real joy in my life to be able to do this and to be able to create this awesome community like it's girl power like you wouldn't believe over at dangerous females and I really enjoy that I really enjoy that we've created this safe space we often get dms from people telling us about their domestic violence histories and stories and I just think that that is so amazing and that people are happy to share their stories with us and I don't know I just think it's so awesome and brave of people to want to be able to do that and that was something that I never really considered was like the human factor when we started Dangerous Females to me it was just like let's set up the Instagram let's put some stuff off let's do the auction so the auction was the original idea and then I thought okay we're going to do this auction but we need to advertise for the auction let's make t-shirts. That's when like shit started getting really real because to say to, at the time we had about six volunteers, we're now going to do t-shirts. 
And one by one, some people started to drop off because it was getting, the workload was huge. It was humongous. Um, luckily, I found the t-shirt mill who were our supplier and they just made everything so easy. And we wouldn't be able to do this without the t-shirt mill. So they print all the shirts and they have all the stock on site. It's not like I have a, cu- a cupboard here full of t-shirts. So when we first started, all my aunties were like, I'll just come over, Jesse, and pick up a t-shirt. I'm like, mate, you've got to order the t-shirt online. I don't have stock at my house because we wouldn't have been able to do this if the three of us girls had to also package and post and all that kind of extra stuff that goes into being a mini business. So having the t-shirt mill um, has just been a godsend for us because it means that we can just design the tees or get the tees designed, put the design online, Next minute, you can order it, get it printed from the T-shirt mill and have it in your hot little hands 10 days later. Um, so that's been so amazing to have them on our team. I'm just trying to pause it. <laughs> I'm sorry for that unbit of but I just had the damn meter reader turn up. How do you tell the meter man, excuse me, busy doing the world's best podcast again, you come back later, um, setting my dog off barking. Oh gosh, professionalism, professionalism. Anyway, I was talking about dangerous females, which I could talk about all day long. Um, the best thing about dangerous females for me has been working so closely with Jazz and Kath. So I'd only known Jazz and Kath for about a year-ish before we started Dangerous Females. We are actually mother's group friends and we all have a couple of mutual friends, um, mainly Lou. Hi, Lulu. Um, and yeah, so to, and so to be able to share this like crazy kind of thing that we've started and to watch it grow from selling a couple of shirts to selling a couple more shirts to selling out events in Melbourne and Brisbane has been wild for us. Um, we have so many awesome ideas coming and at the moment it's hard for the three of us to keep up with the stuff we want to do and the potential that we see in this as a business, not just as in an Instagram or a crappy organization, because at the end of the day, it is a business. We're not making anything from it, but it is, um, a pretty successful business, I would say. Um, although don't quote me on that. You'll have to ask jazz. I have literally never looked at the books. (laughs) I don't even know if there are books. There's Excel spreadsheets. I've seen them, but I stay away from them because I don't want to ever touch any numbers. (laughs) I just do the Insta, okay? I need to stay away from anything that's technical or like written, like factually sent to someone because I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. As you've just spent um, 35 minutes (laughs) listening to. (laughs) So anyway, look, who knows what's on board for next year? People want us to come to Sydney. People want us to come to Darwin. People want us to fly all over and have events with them. They want to get on board. They want to um, do collaborations and all these sorts of things. We're pulled in a million different directions. We also all have, um, weirdly, we all have a son and a daughter um, and partners and jobs and Jazz is now just starting maternity leave and poor Kath has finished maternity leave and going back to work. So, um, you know, I th- we could take it so much further if – life wasn't 
a big factor into it. And we don't want to be a slave to the dangerous females because we're already slaves to our children. <laughs> um, but the main point for us is just raising as much money as we can. So um, we have got a form on the website that Kath has like amazingly figured out how to become a website expert with what seemed like overnight two years ago. Um, and there is a form for people to volunteer. However, we don't know what we need volunteers yet for, but one day we're going to be looking for volunteers and that's going to be the first place to go. So if you're into it, get onto the website. And while you're there, like no offense, but you should buy yourself a bag, um, get yourself a cap, get yourself a t-shirt and just like fully rep the dangerous females. Yeah, boy. Um, it's all very, you know, I want to say grassroots, but that's because I don't really know what grassroots means, but it feels like a kind of podcast term. So we'll just slide it in there. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that's just a little bit about my business side. I feel like it's not very technical business side. Um, that's more my Instagram side, I guess. Um, three different ways to shop. There's the good thing. There's what's good. Briz is dangerous females, some supporting charity, some supporting other people, all supporting me. Um, whether that's in cash money or whether it's just in soul points. So yeah, anyway, off to do some more gluing up the hoops. I've got a whole heap that I'm posting out today. I need to come up with like a cool way to say goodbye on this because remember when Rove used to always say, say hello to your mother. I need like a catch you later alligator. No, that's what about, oh, who knows? I always say chow chow to happy when he leaves for work. Chow chow. So maybe I could say chow chow, but that's kind of like an in-joke for me and happy. It's not even an in-joke. It's just something that I say. <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for your 39 minutes of time. If I assume I'll be talking for another 20 seconds. Um, I really enjoy your company and I hope that if you're driving somewhere, you get there safe or if you're doing your ironing that you don't crease anything or if you're, don't know, cooking up some meatballs, bring some over to my house. <laughs> All right, thank you. How do you sign off on this? I don't know. It's a very bizarre thing to end a podcast. Um podcast ending. <laughs>